Today's scripture reading comes from the book of 2 Kings, uh, chapter 4, 1 to 7, and I'll be reading in the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were filled, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, Ain od kali, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. The word of the Lord. Let's pray for Susanna as she comes to share God's word with us today. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Susanna. We ask that you would bless her uh, and this message that you've laid on her heart. We pray that uh, the words of her mouth, meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. It's, um, it's really wonderful to be with you. As, um, as many times Susanna, I'm the children's pastor here. So often on Sunday mornings, I'm in the back with the kids. And um, it's just a wonderful time to be with them on Sundays. This morning, actually, we had a time with some of the young families um, before the service, and that was really great. There are moments in our lives when we are in dire situations that we are powerless to change without help. And maybe, maybe you're in that situation today. Maybe, maybe we are together. Or perhaps you have anxiety about difficult moments ahead. This story in 2 Kings is precisely about those times in life. It reminds us that our God is rich in mercy eager to pour out his kindness into our lives. We have a God who created us for relationship with him in which we are strengthened to maturity to become co-workers in his kingdom work. That is exactly what he is doing for the widow in this story. I can imagine that she felt doomed when she approached Elijah. She had likely suffered for years worrying about how to make ends meet how to provide healthy food for her family, she probably felt hopeless and without a future as she watched the debt 
piling up. In this desperate moment, she seeks help and is invited to participate in the good future that God has for her. When the widow comes to Elijah for help, he says, yes, let's do something about this. What do you have in your house? With this question, something very important happens. She is given a way to share in what God is going to do. 16 years ago, when David and I lived in El Salvador, working with a church involved in community development, when getting to know the community of the church, we would talk with the families about building a better future. Many people would tell us, we need help to get out of our poverty. If we could have running water in our homes, or if we could build new homes, things would be better. These projects and others like it were ones our church was happy to do. And we began to do this, and we were involved in life-changing work. Yet, through these initiatives, sometimes after years of receiving aid, some began to believe that the only way to make a change was when others provided it for them. In these instances, a dependent relationship had formed that did not restore dignity to the receiver. Instead, they remained powerless and without agency. A shift needed to happen. They needed to be invited back into their own story. Elijah asks her, what do you have in the house? Nothing, she answers. Well, she says on second thought, maybe a small jar of oil. If there was something to have in your house in those days, it was oil. Oil was used for everything. It was a staple in the diet. It was used as medicine. It was fuel for lamps. It was for anointing, and it was a symbol of gladness. Olive oil was essential for well-being, and it turns out she does have just a little bit left. As the work of restoration takes hold, we begin to recognize what it is that we do have. We all have something. Because God loves us, he generally, generously gives us immaterial and material gifts to us all. Some of these we are born with, and some of them are bestowed by his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit gives gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, powers, and teaching. We have these gifts for two reasons. Because we were created in his image to do good works and to nourish one another. When we use our gifts in obedience, we participate in God's kingdom and the building up of the community of believers and society. A first step to using our gifts is to know what they are. Do you know what your gifts are? Our Heavenly Father has given good gifts to us all, and today is the day to acknowledge what we have been given. A few weeks ago, when I was working on the children's summer ministry events, I, I love these events, but sometimes I get discouraged with the logistics and the shaping of these community moments together. Around this time, Pastor Felipe suggested that our two ministries work together to host these summer activities. As we looked over our calendars and began to see what might align, I was blown away with the creative and fun fellowship activities that Felipe had planned for the internationals. I knew he was a good host, but when I looked at his calendar, 
I saw he clearly had the gifts of hospitality and fellowship. What was laborious for me flowed effortlessly from him. His gifts are different than mine, and we enrich each other when we work together. God gives a diversity of gifts to the church in order that we might all be strengthened. When we, when we use our gifts, we all come together in a new way. What are the gifts of the person sitting next to you? Do you know them? What about the gifts of the person sitting two rows ahead? When we use our gifts, we experience joy as the giver and as the receiver. I encourage you to know your gifts, to use them at church, among your brothers and sisters, to use them at home with your families, to bring them to work, to bless your coworkers, and to bring them out into the streets to bless your neighbors. Are you an encourager? We need your encouragement here. Your spouse needs it at home. Your coworkers need it. We use our gifts when we use our gifts in obedience to God. He does more through them than we could ever ask or imagine. Working with churches in Latin America, I learned the incredible value of conversations and the building of mutual understanding. These conversations often took place under corrugated metal roofs, drinking cups of instant coffee, and watching the kids play outside. When churches or communities talked to each other, they often came to understand what they already had and what they needed to do. Some churches discovered they had a dentist in the congregation who had dentist friends, and they could provide a clinic for the community. Others decided they would clean up the riverbeds in the dry season, so when the rains come, there wouldn't be floods. Some decided they would make community gardens. One church decided that before the worship service started, they would go and clean up the garbage in the streets. The stories of transformation continue, but we see that with just a little, God can make large transformation happen. What are the resources among us? What are the gifts we have been given? What is in our house? The widow has olive oil, and Elisha responds to her, go outside, borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. She is sent to collect any kind of container she can find, from large jugs to cups, and she responds immediately in faith. She might be downcast and feel like the world is almost at an end, but she trusts God and obeys what Elisha tells her to do. She, along with her two sons, go out into the neighborhood. Did her neighbors know how dire her situation was before she knocked on their door? They were also likely to be in situations of hardship in this time of Israel's history. This miracle involves all of them. Everyone has a chance to participate in what God is doing. I can imagine that it isn't long before people are spreading the word and gathering up all the pots and jugs and bringing them to the widow and her sons. By God's grace, the community is participating in a miracle even before they know that God is on the move. Once all the empty containers have been gathered up and brought into the house, she and her sons go in and close the door. Elisha isn't there. He has empowered her to do this task. The miracle is about more than him fulfilling his responsibility as head prophet. 
It is about God's love and provision for this woman, her late husband, and their children. God empowers the widow and her sons to be the agents of this miraculous work because he cares for their well-being. God's power is not exclusive. It is for anyone who trusts him and obeys him. Through their obedience, they encounter a loving God who provides for them beyond what they could have imagined. It is impossible that they will ever be the same after this. I picture her pouring out the oil from a small flask surrounded by pottery containers of all shapes and sizes, all filled with oil. Then she pours into the last container and the oil stops, just millimeters below the rim. Probably still in shock and joy, she runs to Elijah and she's shouting, it worked, it worked. Go, he tells her, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on the rest. Through this story, we understand the words, blessed are the poor, for they shall see the kingdom of God. That day, a piece of the kingdom flowed into her house and out into the whole community. This is the story of good news to the poor because God miraculously provided the means to repay debt. Debt this widow was incapable of paying for herself. Debt that would have forced her sons into a life of slavery. This miracle covers the debt of the past and provides all that this family needs for a good future. Are there areas of hopelessness in your life that prevent you from living into the fullness of God's invitation for restored life today? Perhaps it is the hopelessness of not being able to buy a home in Vancouver. Or maybe you're plagued with anxiety about the demands of your job or your family or singleness. Perhaps past traumas make it impossible to believe that you have something to offer or a chronic illness takes away joy and energy. Amid today's challenges, be assured that God is at work in your life. He is the restorer of the past and the hope and sustainer of the future. You are a beloved child, and Christ offers you all that you need for an abundant life. You are invited right into the action where God is at work. The fullness of God's salvation is freely offered, and all of us are given unique gifts. These gifts are for the building up of the community. As we share our gifts and lean into each other, we also see how God creates an overflow of good works among us. Today is the moment to trust God and in obedience, pour them out and see what God can do in your life and in the lives of those around you. Let's end with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this group of people, for each person here, for the gifts you have given them, for the fullness of life you are pouring out into each one of them and each one of us. We pray that you would knit us together as a community. Help us to grow in our gifts, to encourage one another in our gifts, and to become strengthened through your spirit, both today and as we move into the future. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your presence with us today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. 
For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.